Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here for episode 151. Who'd have thought mm-hmm. we'd have made it this far? <laughs> um, <laughs> what one of us maybe, but it's, it's, it does explain why we sort of top loaded the first thirty episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. All, well, yeah. Well, after a while, we got to like we'll get round to it. <laughs> but yeah, but, but they was... still keep coming. They still keep coming. That's true. They they keep... Reassuringly, they keep making them. Yes. Yes. Ones that are either worth watching or, you know, genuinely good or worth knowing about. Yes. Mm. So. Or worth ripping to pieces because you hate them so much. Mm-hmm. Equally entertaining. Oh, 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 is that a hint? No, no. Uh, so, definitely not for this evening's episode. So we are <laughs> here for the first part of our camp horror month um, with the quite frankly spectacular, spoiling it already. Um, <laughs> 2010 movie all about evil um a movie that myself and adam were marginally obsessed with when it first came out Um, yeah and oh my god does it hold up but before we get too excited just to remind you all there will be spoilers and there will be swearing so buckle the fuck up because it is coming um I, i think i think before we i think before we embark on our camp horror uh thing i'm just going to read this out which is a quote from susan sontag which is so we're, we're very very suffice on oh, this show wait. you know yes um defining uh she had a, a essay notes on camp and mm. uh camp a sensibility that revels in artifice stylization theatricalization irony playfulness and exaggeration mm. rather than content now, I'm not sure about the last part of it, but I think it does definitely embrace the two movies that we've picked, certainly. Oh, so. without a shadow of a doubt. And I've got to say, of all of my favourite subgenres, it's this and comedy horror for me. Like, I love my gore and slashes, and I like my real horror. But comedy horror and camp horror particularly, I just love to be. They're, they're pretty much the same yeah, in yeah. many ways, <laughs> you know, I think... I mean, a horror itself has a camp element anyway. Mm. You know, Hammer Hammer can be mm. camp. It's anything that's sort of because you know, as soon as it's melodrama, that's camp yeah. essentially on this, on certainly yeah. on that sort of quote. So I think it's mm. it's it's a, a vein that runs through it, and I think that's why certainly sort of people such as Peaches Christ embrace horror so much. You know. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I am going to get to you, Chris, because obviously I want your first up. <laughs> um, but just while I'm thinking of it, because you, you've mentioned it. Yeah. It, one of the main things I loved about it, I knew we were in for a good ride. The first time we put this in the DVD player, when that title sequence started running and it was all those classic, amazing movies mm. that they'd switch. And I was like, right, this mm. is someone who knows what they're talking mm. about, really cares about horror. Um yeah, and I was like, right, it, this isn't just because I'd only heard about it from one person, and they'd gone mental over it. But I was like, well, it's only one person's opinion. But on person's opinions, let's jump to Chris. So, Chris, on your first viewing, what did you make of All About Evil? So, <laughs> no, um, it takes me a little bit to fully appreciate a slasher. Mm. I think I've said that before. Um, this this has got everything going for it. So now I, I was trying to see who I recognised. I do only recognise Natasha Lyon. Natasha Lyon. Yeah, Lyon. Okay. Um, yeah, from American Pie originally, and or at least that's the first thing I saw in. And then Russian Doll. Um, but yeah, and some she always comes across as as likable but deep and slightly edgy um Mm. but yeah and so so it's uh i guess what i would like is is for both of you to to tell me it to talk about it so that um 
Yeah, I think I want to fully appreciate it from your perspectives first. That's fair. That sounds mm -hmm. good. Adam, would you like to? Well, uh, well, on the sort of backstory of it, who was it who recommended it to you, Lee? Because I can't remember. So I used to listen to a podcast called Drunken Zombie, and they mm -hmm. used to have a guy mm. called Patrick who used to call in, um, and he was mental. Like seriously, he used to he, when he used to do his phone-ins, He used to do it walking down the street, and he just stopped to scream at people in the streets. Like he was mm. like entertainingly, but he was a big part of the LGBTQ scene in um, New York at the time. So when the mm -hmm. film got launched, he got invited to the opening thing, um, and he did a whole episode on it, basically saying, "Look, me and my boyfriend got tickets. We went." We got lost on the way to the theatre. It was pissing down with rain and we weren't ready. We didn't have time to eat. Like, I got to the theatre and couldn't have been less in the mood for mm. the film. He said, and I came away having one of the greatest cinema experiences of my life because it was, the film was outstanding and all the hype and everything that went on with it was phenomenal. And he just raved about it so much. And obviously he mentioned that Mink Stoll was in it and Cassandra Peterson was in it. Um, and I was like, Oh my god! Like I need to get hold of this, uh, yeah. and it was still in a pre-order situation, so I pre-ordered it. So, uh, um, yeah, and when it turned up, I, I held on to it for two days because I was like, I can't watch it without <laughs> Dean and Adam. But I was like, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, and that first time of just us sitting down and cracking a beer and watching yeah. it, I was like, all right. Oh. So let let me let me interject just slightly then. So why I don't know why I'm slightly uncomfortable with it. So because. <laughs> It's got everything going for it, and I just can't tell if it's just me. Um, almost like uh, if I watched it a few times, but is is something about the fact that they're kind of meant to be real? Or, I mean, they they are real in the film. Mm. What's happening? But so I don't know if that somehow puts me what, slightly more like it's it's you well, it's, can't it's quite snuff for them. Well, as they are just, the murderers. Or just the whole idea of of um, you know potentially snuff films seems odd. It's it's certainly one that you it's it was weird because someone asked what film we were doing next and I explained it was all about evil mm -hmm. and it was um oh uh, and then I was like oh it's all about evil and then I realised probably a lot of people don't know the film. So mm -hmm. I put in okay. like a little explanation and it was like, oh, it's like a black comedy about uh, a cinema owner who starts making their own snuff films. Mm. And it was at that point that I thought, that really doesn't sound like a comedy. N no, right, so that's it. So that, <laughs> that's it the bit like a that's, misguided idea. But that's it. So so the, most, the actual yeah. the film is enjoyable, but it's somehow just that feels <laughs> like it's hard for me to fully get over that as a you know, a slogan maybe, for it. Maybe that's maybe that's where the the element of camp comes in. I yeah, think. so absolutely. That, so that like, if it, if it wasn't, I think I would probably hate it. it. The yeah, absurdity but, of it, yeah, is what sells it. Yeah, in that sense, I I loved that uh, that absurdity and the fact it's such an original idea. You know, a lot of yeah, independent yeah. filmmakers as we've said before, will take kind of very well-trodden stories mm -hmm. um, for their kind of first attempt. Uh, whereas this just felt so original and so fresh. Mm. Um, yeah, and that was what I loved about it. And it, it is a very dark tale, as you say, if you if you think about it on paper, but it's handled so well and with such a, a great level of comedy. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, I loved every minute of it. And I still do. See See, I think because also around around the time that you got this, because I, I remember you actually, because you, you had to sort of explain it to us. Mm. And obviously um, you mentioned uh, like Peaches Christ who wrote and directed it. Um, and didn't didn't you get a letter when you ordered it, Lee? Like, because it was obviously from... Direct it, from it, her, no, wasn't it, or like from it her was, website? It was uh, no, no. It no. That was um, uh, that was a different one from someone else. Um, oh. uh, 
But yeah, I, I think when I pre-ordered it, it was supposed to come with like a signed copy of the poster or something as part of the pre-order, mm. um, mm. which it unfortunately didn't. So I was a bit put out about that. But <laughs> I, but then I enjoyed the film so much that I genuinely was like, do you know what? I I forgive that. I have had yeah. my money's worth out of this yeah. DVD over the years because I this yeah. must have been the maybe the dozenth time that I've seen it, which is why I was most surprised when I told Jennifer about it and she went. Yeah, that doesn't sound familiar at all. So she sat down and watched it with me tonight um, and absolutely loved it. But she did say uh, it does give teachers a bad name because that Mrs. Morehouse is her name is an absolute prick, was her exact word. Yeah. That, that's, prob that's probably, weirdly enough, the only bit of this that sort of works to a different time mm. or gives you an insight into a different time um, mm -hmm. where that is seen as an absurd thing. Yeah. Whereas now it would be, no, genuinely uh, do make sure you've intervened on this because, yeah. you know, <laughs> school shootings are now... Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, not, not, to, not to put horrible sort of moments into it or whatever like that, but apparently that is the number one cause of teenage death in America these days. Mm. Above accidents, drugs, anything else. Yeah, that is the most likely reason. So I think now it would probably not, that bit would probably not be as overdone, even though it is the whole thing about if you liked horror films. You must be a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's kind of like the satanic panic thing and yeah. stuff like that, where it's like you play Dungeons and Dragons, therefore it's the same reason that yeah, yeah. I can't remember which it is, which toy store, uh, to, there's a toy shop that won't sell Harry Potter because it's like Harry Potter you stuff because it's... Is yeah, the entertainer will yeah. not sell Harry Potter stuff because their owner is um like sort of hardline Christian and mm. is like it's magic and wizards and stuff, so it's the dark so arts it's like and corrupting, it, yeah. It's satanic, yeah. Mm. So much yeah. the same way. Oh yeah, mm. yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> not not only that, but also call yourself a businessman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's ignore one of like the the, the most major fucking franchises. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but anyway, I mean, but that's sort of beside the point. But but I remember when we when we watched this. Now, here's the thing. I would I would have at the drop of a hat recommended this film to anyone. Yeah. Mm. And I yesterday was literally the second time ever that I've seen it. I've only uh. seen it once at yours, Lee, because I couldn't get hold of a copy of the DVD. Because oh. it was a fairly limited run and it was gone, basically. Yeah. I think I think at, at one point I did see because it was one of those things where it was like, oh yeah, all about evil. No, I'll I'll, I'll get that because I'll watch that again. And by then I think there were sort of copies changing hands for sort of inflated prices, and it was like, oh well, you know, it didn't think the thing. Um, and so the fact that they've released a Blu-ray, uh, Severin have released this on Blu-ray is fantastic, and it's on Shutter. So I, more people hopefully will see this. I'm mm. definitely going to pick up the Blu-ray of it. I say because I've still got the original DVD mm. copy that I've got, which I mean, which is it's fantastic quality uh, for a lower budget release. Mm. Um, but yeah, if it's on Blu-ray, I will absolutely be getting hold of that um, in the next couple of yeah, months. Yeah, getting quick. It's got the soundtrack on CD with it, <laughs> um, and. Um, like loads of it's got the extras that were on the dvd that you've got and additional stuff as well yeah um so and it's all pretty good and it looked it looked great as well but i think at the time um particularly dean and the, and through dean i was getting into john walter's stuff and again we were bringing them around to you lee so we and that is definitely how i feel all about evil is is it feels yeah. like a john walters film yeah absolutely. Um, i i ended up when i was watching it i ended up with like a load of sort of fantasy double bills in my head of what you could pair this with mm. and one of them was cecil be demented <laughs> but, you yeah know, without the, a doubt yeah that that which is probably on an equal pegging with female trouble being my favorite john walters movie so Cecil B. Demented is the story of a director who kidnaps an actress, you know, like a famous but sort of not doing anything worthy actress and mm -hmm. forces her to make good films. 
It's like a, they're basically like an artistic terrorist movement. Um, and I think actually yeah, that's, that's a novel idea. It's funny you say de- that. I was going to say, Jennifer said exactly the same. She was like, this would be a perfect double fill, double bill with popcorn. Mm. And I was like, that's another yes. one of my favourites. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, you have I, mentioned that a few times. I also think because of the classic sort of, like the classic nature that Deborah is going for. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's just immediately fantastic. Yeah. I, I get the feeling that that was either someone they knew or it was a joke that sort of was the basis of why she's called Deborah yeah. because there was so, no it's Deborah you know. um but I like she makes sort of stuff that's obviously like very uh but a lot of it is historically set supposedly mm. <laughs> um okay. and so again the other thing I was thinking you pair it with is theatre of blood yes you know because I think in a very similar and, and even the fact you end up with a rooftop um, quite like denouement at the end, yeah, sort of would feel very theatre of blood as well. And again, I think it's like theatre of blood where it's that that has that sensibility where you're like, Yeah, that if this was real life, this is ghastly people, yeah, but it's not real life, so we can yeah, enjoy so it's, this, and yeah. it's just fucking mad. Mm. It's one of those fantastic movies to enjoy. We like, I've seen this film. Uh, probably seven or eight times on my own but it is a mm. great group watch so, it is one so of that's those... it I, I, that's what i was thinking yeah definitely i think it would have worked fantastically well get a few of you together mm. a few too many beers yeah. chuck this on it is absolutely perfect mm. um, yeah and it's a it's a lovely short film as well it's you know hour and 39 or whatever um yeah. and the story moves along really nicely it doesn't have any slow bits it doesn't feel rushed any time. It's just, yeah, it's just the, the it's characters are all work. great. Yeah, it gets, yeah, it gets, it gets into the premise quickly and doesn't mm, even let up. Yeah, yeah, you know, that is very true. There's, there's, there's almost like a jump <laughs> yeah. there where it's like, um, uh, Deborah, Mister Twig, um, hide, like cover up the murder of her mum, mm. and then the next thing you know. Oh, we'll drug this one because she was annoying, you know. Which is, but it's a conversation that's obviously taking place but, off screen. But you know, once because it you don't see any in. setup to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that. Yeah, like you say, it just gets on with it, and and also it, yeah, just, it seems to do everything right. It, yeah, maybe I think it's again. It's one of those things where I think if it's. If it hits, if it hits you on the wrong note or whatever like mm. that, I think it could be because I know. Um, like I watched the making of, mm. okay. um, which has got um, Joshua Grinnell, aka mm. Pictures Christ, um, and the producer and the majority of the actors are in it. And also that that completely threw me because the one thing I was got all the way through was because I was trying to remember who um, Stephen was like because I was like I'm, I'm know you from fucking something. Oh, is it the Sarah and Connor it, Chronicles? Yeah, it's the Sarah Connor Con- Chronicles. And I was like, oh, yeah, that finally, that penny dropped, but only afterwards. And, yeah, he um, was also, he was brilliant in, um, he was in a, a show for, I think it was a Netflix original called Backstrom. Um, oh, right, which okay. was uh, Which was basically him living with a slightly mental detective uh, who was played by the guy who gets turned into a fish from House of a Thousand Corpses? Oh, Bill Hader. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name at the moment. I've only got one screen, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, and and that's a fantastic. That was another one when I saw it on IMDb. I was like, oh man, that was such a great series. But they just did the one and and didn't mm. go back to it, unfortunately. Yeah, um, Tom Thomas Decker who plays Stephen. Uh, yeah, who is also in. I've never seen it, but he plays David McGowan in John Carpenter's remake of Village of the Damned. Oh, okay. Um, so he must be like the main creepy kid in Midwich. Um, but, um, and he's in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Oh, he is. He's the main character, I believe, in the Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street remake, which, uh, yeah, I don't worry. 
Thomas Decker, we're not holding that against you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but obviously, because I mean, it's funny. It's funny that you said. Obviously, you recognise Natasha Leon, Chris. Um, mm, Mick yeah. Stoll, who played Evelyn, the li- the librarian who gets mm. her lips sewn shut. She yes. is a John Waters regular. John Waters basically had a or has a repertory uh, a, a repertory company essentially. Oh, of that's the last thing they are is reputable. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, not reputable. Uh, yeah, they're called the Dreamlanders. Because mm-hmm. of, uh, John Waters does uh, John Waters Dreamlands productions, so she's in loads of. Um, she's in most. I think I think she's been pretty much every John Waters film. Yeah, give or take. Um, but so, but she's also in. But I'm a cheerleader with Natasha Lyonne, um, and she was on like Married with Children. So she sort of does stuff here mm-hmm. and there, but really she's. It's for John Walters that she's known. So she was definitely a familiar face when watching it. Me and Lee both already uh, had an obsession with Tasha Leone. I mean, with me, it was mostly because of Confessions of a Trick Baby, um, which is just a, a fucking mental film. Um, mm. It's actually it's actually the sequel to a kind of the sequel to a film called Freeway, um, which is basically Red Riding Hood told through the prism of like a trashy. Um, true crime movie. Um, basically, basically, Reese Witherspoon gets picked up by uh, a predatory nonce played by uh, Keith Sutherland, um, <laughs> and rather than get like get granny eaten, she just takes his gun off him and puts him in a fucking wheelchair. But he's still coming after her, even though he is like covered in reconstructive surgery stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And Confessions of a Trick Baby, Natasha Leone plays a character called White Girl. And um, basically, she ends up escaping from um, a, uh, what's the, a, a juvenile hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, what is the Americans call ball store? Yeah. 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 Um, like her, and basically escapes and goes on a lesbian killing spree with um, another inmate. And it's, yeah, again, very fucked up, very John Walters y. And mm. it's sort of, yeah, it's a trajectory where you feel now I can see why all about evil sort of um, is definitely in, in her wheelhouse, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the other name that you probably, you did you recognize Stephen's mum? No. You will uh, after their next episode. Go on. Oh, right. <laughs> That was Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Oh, right. AKA okay. Well, yeah, I. Cassandra Peterson. I've, I mean, I've, yeah, right. Okay, well, I've seen which these was posters. Why it was funny that he had the poster above the bed mm. of Elvira. F- fun, funny or questionable because it does suggest he's not one out of his goth mum. <laughs> and I'll leave it there. But, um... So, so how many references were actually in this in total? I think there's only that. That's the only. Elvira references that he's just got the poster oh, yeah. on his wall. But, but oddly enough, that's right for his room. Where mm. He's got all the horror mod- model stuff and the other yeah. like, horror film posters and stuff like that. Elvira's Elvira would be an it's... obvious thing in there, even if uh, Cassandra Peterson wasn't in the film. And so, obviously, it's... we'll get more into her on the next episode. So uh, when, when was we our, do... Elvira big? What was... I am not even going to write, rise to that. No, okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, so I, I think Elvira's uh, mainstay was in the eighties. Mm. Um, again, it was that thing of they had a they had a late was... night slot and they had lots of films that were uh, public domain, but just whacking oh, okay. on some old black and white horror movies didn't necessarily get the audience in. So, like, well, if we get a host mm. in. It's a tradition, isn't it? It's a very, we've spoken about it before, the American tradition of you had horror hosts, but Elvira Mm. was, um, Elvira was the sort of in the 80s and 90s was the recognized horror host. Mm. Um, And um, yeah, so, but I mean, obviously, I mean, she's still, I mean, she's still out there she's still presenting and doing stuff and everything else like that okay yeah um and 
yeah, I mean, it's sort of, uh, but like I say, I mean, obviously we'll get more into that next week when we cover Mistress mm. of the Dark. But I have so, to say, she's fucking good in this because yeah. there is not a hint of Elvira. Mm. You know, this, That's interesting. Just, if you, well, here's, that is actually, that is brilliant because that is my proof of concept. Chris yeah. has watched this and just thought, there's an actress playing yeah. Elvira. Yeah, and this, yeah. Not at all. Well, Which is, yeah. Not, not that, I mean, I often don't recognise people very well, so I may not be the perfect test here, but yeah, no, it's funny how that although it reminds me of um, uh, Marilyn Monroe there was there was a a story about her on the underground and she was not dressed up as that and as Mm. she would normally be, nobody noticed her and she's talking to this reporter and then she gets off steps out into New York City and just starts doing her moves and suddenly she's people coming around her and it's like oh yeah she's now become this everyone recognizes her but when mm. she's just being normal she can get away with it it's, like, it's well, funny how I that, think, I it's, think it's, it's noticing the characteristics apparently i mean poor keanu reeves gets photographed mm. on the underground quite a lot yeah but i think again it's it depends if you've got a look though i mean he, he looks normal doesn't yeah, he also doesn't no have, one's uh... gonna think keanu reeves takes yeah. the train yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean you're assuming <laughs> He's he's, yeah. he's a successful movie star. Obviously, yeah. he takes limos What's... everywhere. Don't, you know? don't you say that? We um, uh, uh, just this week, uh, about three days ago, we went to see Darren Brown, um, at mm. a, a localish theatre, um, and decided as it was at the seaside, we were going to go and get fish and chips beforehand. Walked into a little fish and chip bar, sat down and ate our fish and chips, and then the people next to us heard us talking and said, "Oh, are you off to see Darren Brown?" We said, "Yeah." They said, you did see him when you came in, didn't you? And we went, what? They said, he was sitting directly behind you. <laughs> we walked in and sat on the table directly in front of him and completely oblivious. I mean, he did have a, a big coat and a baseball cap on, so he was clearly trying not to be noticed. But, or you know, maybe he hypnotised me and I didn't realise. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the fact you've only actually got one kidney now. <laughs> <laughs> But I... And you think Darren Brown is the best thing ever? Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, a lot of us do. Yeah. So that's but true. I think, yeah. I think it's, but yeah, I think certainly in terms of like Elvi- Elvira is a costume. Mm. Yeah. You know I mean? Okay. Not, well, it's not yeah. even like an image or something like yeah. that. You know, you can you can probably see Keanu Reeves walking around and he might look like John Wick or he might look like mm. Constantine yeah. or whatever. But yeah. If Elvira out of the costume is utterly un so yeah, yeah, it just goes to show you how much of a character she created. So as you say, it isn't mm. the look; it's actually she created this entire persona. That persona, yeah. Essentially, yeah. essentially, it's drag. Yeah, it's yeah. much okay. in the same way as you like. For example, obviously, Peaches Christ is in the film, so looking amazing. I've got to say, like, <laughs> just. Yeah. But you would not necessarily recognise her out of drag. Mm. So, because, um, but apparently, well, when I was watching the making of like um, Joshua Grinnell, Peaches Christ, whichever you want to go with, I mean, that's he called it's Joshua Grinnell is who's the credited director. Yeah. So, mm. you know, and Peaches Christ is a credited character. So mm. it's, yeah. yeah. Um, but, Apparently, when they were making it, he um, would obviously. If he's playing, uh, he's the only one who can do the Peaches Christ makeup. Like you know, drag queens do their own yeah uh, mm. look. Um, and so, if he was playing, if he was going to be on set as Peaches Christ in the film, he would have to come in in full makeup, not the not the dress and the hair, but in the makeup. Yeah. And so they said it was a very weird experience filming it because the makeup looks disdainful. <laughs> it's like it's like the it's naturally done to look slightly sneery. Yeah. And loads of the actors said we really lost confidence if he was ever in the makeup because we were he he immediately looked like it that. It feels was a shit like take. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, but, I was that's... trying to work out how tall Joshua Gunnell must be because there's a point mm. at which he's clearly 
obviously when he's as peaches christ with the massive wig on and the heels but there's a point yeah. where she's standing in the door of the and everybody else is coming through and he's you know sort of a third of the door up and mm. she has to duck to get under the door and i'm like <laughs> He's got to be a really tall dude before he before he goes into change because he's just yeah massive. Oh yeah, and you've got um, uh, Heclina, who is another San Francisco drag queen, in there as well. Who is named uh, after yeah. uh, the Icelandic volcano that we ah. talked about in the Northmen? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But like Peter Christ, so Peter Christ is like sort of quite big in the San Francisco is big in the drag, drag scene in San Francisco and yeah. all over really um, but hosted a thing called Midnight Mass for 12 years which was like a um, basically it was showing cult and excuse me uh, showing like cult cinema and um, like modern and old uh, mostly like a, a lot of horror films obviously and getting guests into talks so like have guests like Mink Stoll and Elvira, but also like Linda Blair, RuPaul, uh, mm. Mary Warnov and John Pete uh, and John John Walters, and sort of like we're all um, guests there. And yeah, basically that ran for like about twelve years and was like a massive regular sort of thing in San Francisco. And he he still now does a horror house every Halloween. Nice, yeah. and uh, and apparently, like Peter's Christ's Horror House is some of the best ones mm. on, on the Don't, on yeah. the scene. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, and Midnight Mass is now the name of uh, Peter's Christ's podcast, which is basically the same thing. They just go through, they do what we do, watch old movies and talk about them. Oh, so, I will be listening to that next mm. week. Well, fun, funnily enough, I did notice that one of them was the launch party episode for this. Ah, um, cool. for uh, all about evil, and I had to listen to that, and that was really that was really good. And it had on there like the composer and oh, and the the guy who plays the school principal, who in the because <laughs> there's a short film that Peaches Christ made called Grindhouse, mm. which is and that mm. was pre. Tarantino Rodriguez, um, oh, okay. and and which is basically the plot of this, but it was like a short that it was it, like he he describes it as a proof of concept mm. that it's almost just like right I've got this idea, but actually I can do more with this idea. Yeah. Mm. So I think it was just it, it's but it, that is included on the Blu-ray as well. <coughs> I'll definitely be putting that up in the week. The per the person who plays the principal in All About Evil plays the mother in because here's a drag queen. Um no uh real name uh uh oh, is it, it's, it's Spence, but what is it? It's da, 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 da. come on. Timmy Spence. Thank God for that, because I was gonna say Jimmy. So uh, <laughs> but Timmy Spence, whose drag queen name apparently was Lois Turd. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, and um, yeah, really, sort of. Um, there's a lot of. I think there's the nurse in this played the original Deborah, um, but um, Natasha Leone actually got the job because she was in a film called uh, Slums of Beverly Hills, and it has the same. She, she's she's done quite a lot, hasn't she? She has done a oh. ton. Yeah. Um, she started very early, wasn't she? Pee Wee Herman. Again, I know it wasn't oh, really right. over here as it was in the <laughs> well, US, but I've got, I've, well, I've got the, I've got the details here. So, mm. uh, first major acting, uh, first acting role was the age of six in Pee Wee's Playhouse, and mm. her first major film role was uh, a 1996 film, uh, Woody Allen's Everyone Says I Love You at the Age of Sixteen. Um, like many child stars, she drifted into alcohol and drugs at an early age, consistently mm. working, but more often attracting press for run-ins with the law than the films she mm. was in. She eventually became addicted to opiates and slowly began to see parts becoming less frequent, often due to erratic, uh, with her often erratic behaviour blamed. Mm. In 2005, after a downward progression into heroin addiction and eventual homelessness, she was admitted to hospital for a collapsed lung, hepatitis C and a heart infection. 
Um, while she was in hospital, she missed a court appearance over an alleged assault and um, basically was going to go to jail. Um, but she managed to avoid this by opting into the court appointed rehab program, mm. which sort of got her off, uh, got her off, uh, got her off the smack. Um, and that, but she was really close friends with Chloe Savini. So, and, so and wait, when did you say? When did you say this was? That was two thousand five. Five. And then um, Chloe Savini sort of like encouraged her to keep trying to do stuff, you know, to mm. do more, uh, you know, go back on the horse as it it, yeah because she'd done a lot of stuff she'd done a lot of yeah well i guess she's clearly yeah she's clearly got skills and yeah Yeah. while she she was you know while she was um battling addiction issues and Mm. stuff like that she was she was still working she was still in quite a few films and um yeah um so she sort of went back most through stage and then got more film tv roles and stuff like that I sort of um, get the impression that that she almost brings her real life philosophy to her characters oh, sometimes, not not specifically, but yeah, it's like it's interesting how it, it feels like you're getting something real from yeah. her. Then yeah. in 2012, she actually had to have uh, open heart surgery because of mm-hmm. the amount of damage that the drugs had done to her. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's. She's a tough bastard. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's very, it's quite Deadpool, you know. Um, and then obviously she's sort of probably the biggest, the sort of biggest thing of her comeback was probably Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Which was oh, just, right. you know, she was fantastic in that. And then obviously yeah, now I, she's doing like Russian Doll. I sort of feel like I should have um, watched that Orange is the New Black, but I just it, missed it. It's really. well worth your time. It's obviously it? oh, it's okay. a lot to catch up on now. Yeah. It has finished. So there is a, mm, a okay. finite amount. It's finite, yeah. Okay. Which, which is which is good, but I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. Russian Doll, which she mm. she's written, directed, yeah, um, starred, um, fantastic show, produced. absolutely brilliant. She's um, she kind of makes me think she's the sort of person that you'd love to have down the pub, you know, and oh, for all the opposite yeah. reasons that also, people want to have Boris Johnson down the pub. Also, I saw this. Oh no, I'd like Boris Johnson down the pub because I'll wait. Well, the yeah, possibly, pub. but. but... Um, yeah, I bet she'd be fascinating to. Oh no, I think she would be brilliant, and also she's not. She's not really. She's not one of those people who's kind of like. Yeah, people are obviously going to talk about my past because it was so mm-hmm. extraordinary. But that's, she's down that's to that's earth. Given. Yeah, she's well. Mm-hmm. Some someone said she's probably the only person who could play if you wanted to redo Columbo. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah I fucking watch that. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the few times someone suggested something like that, and I'm like, something not. No, yeah, you actually, can't do that. I would just no, be like, yeah. yeah, I could just see her in That's funny. That was, yeah, you know, just really, yeah. Seriously, also, she should she, definitely do a, an episode of that. Also, she took over from Drew Barrymore as the voice of Sophie Krustovsky in The Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, uh, Krusty's a strange child. So, nice. there we go. Mm. Okay, okay, so we are back from our brief interlude. Uh, normally, we try and keep these to a short, our uh, forty-five minute time. Um, but this needed. This it needed, needed more time. It did. Um, I, I agree. So we were just discussing Natasha Leone and Chris. Mm. Uh, you I think were we just said starting she's, to... she's really awesome. She is, and mate, and as just, you say, just to say that again. Yeah, she is one of those people who comes across as really genuine and really. Yeah. No, in her characters, because uh, yeah. you get the impression that so much of her personality is not But sorry, but Chris was having a bit of a moment of working out what it is about this film that made him slightly uncomfortable. So I think we should further explore that. So take it away, Chris. Mm. Yeah. So so like it's it's obviously ridiculous. It's camp. That's the point of it. It is funny. It is really well done. Great characters. It is just that idea of if I happen to be in the audience. And I was watching it and I was thinking, oh, this is great. Look what they've done. And then knew somehow that it was real. That just, I, I, is it like, um, I was trying to think, I think you said when there's rape scenes in films, that that just, it's very hard for you to get past that. Mm. Yeah, that's that's just a level of uncomfort. It's, and it somehow just feels a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. It definitely can be done better and worse. It's, 
yeah. well i think it's also something that you can approach but unlike a lot of mm. films it's you know suggestion can be better than yes yeah pictures yeah okay but i'm just wondering if that sort of triggers the same kind of a uh, oh, it's, it's weird it's uncomfort just, that i don't think i normally get I think it's because you've identified, in a way, you've identified with Stephen. Mm-hmm. You have sort of, you yeah. know, because that's that's essentially his yeah. role is when he yeah, becomes it... utterly disillusioned by the fact that he realises, I've been praising this person, thinking that they've got yeah. these amazing performances and brilliant effects, and it's like, oh no, you've just been just... killing very scared people <laughs> for essentially nothing. Yeah. Um, Although, actually, this is the interesting thing, and this might be why I can sort of kind of, uh, I sort of end up on, you're not meant to end up technically on their side, but they're the murderers. <laughs> you always do end up on their mm. side. They even say it in the movie. And I think it's because, um, like, um, Joshua Grinnell used to um, manage a cinema, which is where he was show- doing, like, the Midnight Mass showings and things like that. And... Um, it was a thing where a lot of oh, they were being bought up around the sort of time that he was making this, and like San Francisco's getting gentrified, and a lot of these old sort of mm. flea pit single screen cinemas started getting bought up for development because no one was going to them because you had a multiplex at the edge of town and things like that. And he said, he said, you know, the thought process is almost how far would you go to retain this thing that you love? Mm. Like being able to put these films on and have this very special sort of community sort of feeling of, um, you know, that this is. And he said, and how far would you go, be willing to go to protect that? And he said, and obviously I would kill for it. <laughs> and it's kind of in that sort of it's kind of in that yeah. vein that that's you know in in their own way the film is like oh no she's entirely justified because <laughs> she's keeping the she's keeping the theater alive yeah. uh, and everything and but also it's it's lovely how sort of pretentious the Deborah becomes and very, As she's been very cl- quickly as well, which is the other thing I liked. Again, it's that kind of depth of character of, is that in her mind, she's always wanted to do this. Yeah, so as soon yeah. as the cinema is half full, she immediately just switches to this Into that, diva yeah. character because it's yeah. always been just waiting and under the surface. Mm. And yeah, I really liked that. <laughs> Because they on the I think this was on the podcast actually or possibly on the making of I'm not sure, but um, Joshua Grinnell, Peaches Christ, um, said that he went through it with Natasha Leone about like seeing basically this is a girl who grew up in the cinema, so she can quickly very quickly drift into fantasy. Mm. Because that's all she's known. She's because yeah. she's been brought up in this sort of atmosphere of the glamour of movies and everything else. Like, because I mean, she just starts dressing like nineteen forties, nineteen fifties femme fatale. Yeah, like within an instant, essentially, yeah. it's, it's all like big, <laughs> like you know, big furs and sort of hats and the makeup and stuff like that. It's very it just, sort of, just needed the circumstance for it to. Yeah. And it's, um, but apparently, like, they, uh, Natasha Leone and uh, Joshua Grinnell went through almost scene by scene saying, right, she's Mae West at this point, or mm. she's Dr- Joan Crawford at this point, because mm. that's literally how the character's mind works. Yeah, that's got to be quite like, an you know, interesting way. That it's, it seems like kind of an unusual, I mean, I know characters can evolve or have a Mm. a hero's journey in a film but it's it's almost like quicker unusual that's fantastic shorthand for a new director to like step in Mm. just immediately have this look this is the key if i just give you this actress's name you immediately know where you are and what you're supposed to be doing especially shows talent it's well well apparently like natasha leone is like an absolute film obsessive mm, as well yeah. 
yeah, and she said she said at one point she would go to bars with a with like the schedule for the local cinema mm. and just sort of like get dates on the basis of yeah, do you want to see Double Indemnity or do you want to yeah. see, like all, all these sort of classic films quite, and stuff like that? Quite that sweet. Was, yeah, and so she was immediately like, right, I know, you know, it's like you say, it's shorthand, it's knowing yeah. quite where you're going with this. And actually, I think where was it? Because um, there's, I don't know if you've heard, there's a podcast called, um, oh, where is it? You must remember this, which is basically sort of his historical tales of like Hollywood, um, mm. like the golden age of cinema and stuff like that. And they have like, they recreate bits as well. So you get like, you get the info, but they also do like little drama snippets mm. of what they're talking about. Mm. And she was, um, where are we? Oh, I've lost it again. Fuck's sake. Um, Mae West and Clara Bow were the two actresses that she has portrayed on uh, on this podcast. And again, you can definitely hear it sort of coming out in the the performance as well. Yeah. And actually, like the people, the people they've got around are like Mr. Twiggs, that guy, Jack Donner. I was just about to say, we haven't even touched on the other characters mm. who are all mm. amazing as well. Well, Jack Jack Donner's like quite a. I was really uh, shocked. He's in Cool Air. Do you remember Lee that I got all those HP Lovecraft short film? Yes. Uh, society, and he's in Cool Air, which is probably one of the most uh, faithful adaptions mm. in in those Lovecraft films. And yeah, he's the um, the main doctor in that. Nice. Uh, which I was like, I I'd not put two and two together before on that one. But I mean, he's in stuff like um, Stigmata and uh, Brotherhood of Blood and stuff like that. But I think his main thing is TV because mm. I was watching it with Claire and Claire said, oh, am I meant to know him? Like, I think she was expecting mm. that he was like a sort of a Vincent Price figure or something like yeah. that because he really does relish this. But I think he's in a lot of he's in a lot of stuff playing a lot of sort of either you know, the kind of villains or sort of pseudo villains in sort of a lot of stuff. He's the he's the guest star with the most appearances in Mission Impossible. Um, but he was in Star Trek, Fear the Walking Dead, Good versus Evil, which was a fucking amazing show that no one fucking mm. remembers and it should be mm -hmm. out there. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, Kojak. Man from Uncle Street to San Francisco. Wow. Um, I dream of Jeannie the Monkeys. He's in like mm -hmm. lots of um lots of lots of TV. But I think he really shines in this. He's yeah. so good of the sort of and again, it's his awakening too. Because you've mm. obviously seen that he's this sort of essentially he is a lovely old man. Yeah. And then there's this he's been given the license to actually let out the fact that it's you know he's he has had not the greatest of fucking times and he does have a problem with people mm -hmm. i mean i think that's that again shows you where the heart of this film is is that obviously um oh the the girl who dies in uh, veronica the girl who dies in a tale of two severed titties. Mm. Um, and then it's just, it's a PSA for turn your phone off. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <coughs> again, that's something that I can definitely, I definitely have that sort of thing where it's like, no, that is a fair thing to do to some of the talking in the cinema. Is you should kill them. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, but then, oh, and also just the fact they said, no one had their cell phone out. Yeah. In the last <laughs> so, uh, I wanted to mention Adrian as well, uh, played by Noah Sagan. Um, oh, he's... He yeah. is fantastic. He plays a horrible, grimy individual just brilliantly. And he just has he... me in fits in the background of stuff. Yeah. 
he is the sort of the most John Walters feeling character mm, yeah. in this. So um, t- t- just tell me again. So John Walters, have John Walters any of was others. John Walters was uh, he. So I'll give you what I can do is. <coughs> excuse me, is I can give you the list of films that Mink stole in with John Walters um, yeah. that directed by John Walters. Away, I don't want to take away from, all of from them. Uh, Noah, though. Let's go so, back to Noah. Um, but yeah, John Walters, uh, Mondo Trasho, Multiple Maniacs, Pink Flamingos, and Hairspray are probably his two biggest. Right, okay. So you've mentioned, Pink, you've Pink mentioned Flamingos. Hairspray, and other people have mentioned Hairspray. Yeah, Hairspray's a very... Oh yeah, and he's, uh, of course, he's in The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, do you re- do you remember the one where Bart um, befriends the owner of like he's not it's not a comic shop it's like a what's it it's called? a retro toy shop that's yeah. it yeah okay yeah he was yeah he was just called John in uh, the Simpsons apparently <laughs> but um, yeah but when Bart befriends a gay antiques dealer homophobic Homer decides to bring out his son's masculine side by taking him hunting but all does not go to plan and that is John Walters. And he is playing John Walters pretty much uh-huh. in that, and it also does feature one of the well, it's from that period of time where The Simpsons just every fucking line was genius. But it's mm. just the one about there's only two type of people who wear Hawaiian shirts: homosexuals and big fat party animals. <laughs> he doesn't look like a big fat party animal to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and he did uh, female trouble, desperate living, cry baby with Johnny Depp, serial uh, mom, uh, Pekka, Cecil B. Demented, which like I mentioned before is a fucking incredible fucking film. Um, his last film was a dirty shame, and it's actually a dirty shame that his last film was a dirty shame because that was fucking years ago. Yeah, mm. um, is that the one with Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville and Tracy Ullman. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's like, yeah, that 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 is really that's yonks ago now. I don't, I don't even know if that was this century. Oh, I don't. I was it must say, be. I'm, it must I'm be. Sure actually, no. That, that film is older. I'm sure we went to see him give him his talk um, at the Hammersmith Apollo, which was mm. just him kind of talking about his life. Yeah, two thousand and four. Um, I don't okay. Yeah, and yeah, I think it was. It was later than that that we went to see him give mm. his talk. Um, but yeah, he's just re- lived a really interesting life. So to give you an idea, mm. Chris, he basically it was him and his friends. They would write crazy stories and then just get a video camera, take loads of acid, uh, and go and make uh, these movies okay. out of their enough. enough. Um, and and, and, and they, they were good. And they were yeah. they were they were really good, really funny. Yeah. But also, he was. You can see why he would work with someone like Johnny Knoxville because. In many ways, it's like, you know, like we said about with William Castle. Um, John Waters was a big fan of William Castle, who did uh, House on Haunted Hill and The Tingler and uh, mm. stuff like that, um, because he was the one who would set up in the cinema like the seats that gave you a shock so that people oh, would scream. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. And he was the one who like paid for people to like ambulances to be standing by because so, the film was yeah. that shocking. Right. Or it filmed yeah. in a Murgo where a plastic yeah. skeleton flew over it. Now John so, Waters is an absolute marketing obsessive. genius. Yeah. And John Waters is obsessive uh, for that sort of showmanship. Mm, so John Waters yeah. um you know, it was all about spectacle, and obviously the, the famous thing is the whole at the experience, end, really. Uh, well, at yeah. the end of Pink Flamingos, uh, Divine, the star of it, eats real dog shit. Like it's, it's not. For no there's reason. No it's not part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> just, just before the credits, just picks up a dog toad and starts <laughs> eating it for no reason whatsoever. It's because basically it's about her wishing to. She, uh, the character, wishes to retain her title of the filthiest person alive. Mm. Um, but then two other people decide to compete with her for that title, and it's yeah, and that's where you get someone sent me a bowel movement and stuff like that, and the singing arsehole, and so many, Could and then quite crazy, and, and literally also one of those things where you can imagine 
oh, we liked Hairspray because Hairspray was kind of like right, his, right. his first mainstream. But, yeah, so it's popular. Crossover, but, yes. Yeah. So, so this was what he was doing before Hairspray. Right. So yeah, as Adam yeah, said, okay. anyone who saw Hairspray and went, I'm going to go back but, and check out his back. Hairspray's a bit of a cult film, isn't it? Yeah. Hairspray's a cult film, tell. but it's entirely, it's like, it's, it's not unlike a John Waters film. You've still got Divine okay, in there. You've still right. got Mink Style. You've still got quite these quite so exaggerated the characters that, yeah. and stuff okay. like that. But it's it's not it's, it's not someone eating shit live on yeah, camera. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or so a, a little bit more accessible for yeah. It's it's not everyone. a man who can apparently sing with his bum. It's you know there's there's a lot of okay. um yeah but it's still got his hallmarks <laughs> yeah and skill yeah, yeah. okay but just yeah. toned down a lot and a much so, so i should watch it really just to appreciate it i think everyone should see pink flamingos at some point mm. in their life just to have seen i i would recommend of, of the ones i've seen because i was sitting there the other day thinking i've never seen desperate living and i really mm. want to um but definitely female trouble definitely uh, if you want something a bit more modern, definitely Cecil be demented because I think that's much more. You know, it still has that sort of extremity in there and sort of like ludicrousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, equally, yeah, you've got to see Pink Flamingos because it's just like fuck me. It's it's like a badge of honour. I've seen Pink Flamingos. I've seen El Topo. Yeah. You know, I mean, pers- personally, I fucking love both of them. But I think that if you if, if you watch films, you should have at least seen them. Much in the same way as I think that that new Michael Flatley film is going to go. So. <laughs> right. Anyway, we've got far too off topic again, which I think is yes. how we've ended. Oh yeah, up wait, wait. We 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 did. I said we got to go back to got back to Noah Sagan. No, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, but you're absolutely right. Like his uh, his characterization in this is absolutely that kind of like really exaggerated, over the top. Uh, a really comedic, but he absolutely gets the tone. Yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. He absolutely understands the the mood of the film. You could almost read him as that's how you should read it, where it's like because he does horrible, horrible fucking things. There's yeah. no denying that. But equally, it's just too stupid to not laugh at. And similarly, like the, I mean that. That is very, that is, <clears throat> not wishing to go back on that track, but that is a very John Waters thing where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. they're two girls being released to murder their families. Oh, we'll go and, we'll go and get them and get them. Yeah. They can <laughs> work the concession stand. Yeah. They, um, they, they, they are, oh, well, they are genuine twins, mm-hmm. um, but they're in, they're in X-Men 2, Picard, Mad mm. Men, House of Anubis. So they're still they're still twinning about, you know. So all right. So. But I do um yeah, no, I think that character, even when it's down to the sort of the sort of Jonestown ending, mm. where he's there in like Frankenfurt a drag with a megaphone and just like, yeah, do what you like. <laughs> and it's that sort of weird sort of complicit thing of I'm doing this but equally don't give that much of a fuck I just Even... like, I'm not sure if you actually see him die you Do you I think the last die? thing you see him is when the cult the corpse lands on him head first that's so you right kind of and then sh- he suffocates because it's I'd for- how do you forget that a, a corpse with his head removed <laughs> falls onto another man's head and suffocates him to death. How do you forget that? I think that tells you everything you need to know so about much, this yeah. film. <laughs> there is a lot in there. I mean, even mm. I I think that, that the bit the bit with the twins where it's like, right, drop drop the weapons, ladies, you're surrounded, etc. And then just like, right, what's the only solution we can do to this? Is to kill each other. And just be <laughs> on that wavelength of like, well, yeah, it's the only way out of here. And just silently move yeah. into, yeah, we'll just kill each other then. <laughs> Fuck you. I just, yeah, that I just think is fantastic. And again, there's loads of bits in it where you're like, you could nick for other films. Mm. 
And they would be bits in other films where people are like, oh, that fucking bit where they, yeah, you know, it's like that mind-bending moment where the killer twins are utterly helpless and silently turn on each other because they know it's the only way out of this terrible situation. And actually, it's just a throw. It's kind of a throwaway gag in yeah. this, you know, in this movie. So I know what you mean, Chris. I think there are Claire. I was Claire said that because while we were going through the intermission, because um, mm. Claire watched it and she said the one thing she found with it is that she wasn't. Sh- well, how did you word it? Sorry, I think it felt like a spoof of something I haven't seen yet. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's sort of like that has something to suggest about it because I think it's sort of because funnily enough, watching the Treehouse <coughs> Treehouses of Horror as we have been lately. Yeah, um, uh, Claire um, said to me, "Oh, before we start, if there's a horror film, you know, if they're if it's a reference, that they're going to be. That I don't yeah, know, tell me, kind yeah. of do want to yeah. know it, yeah, but." And in fairness, I don't think they've done anything that's not n- known enough. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, probably the, the only thing is when they do Twilight Zone episodes, like mm-hmm. you know, you may not know may those not. necessarily. But so maybe that's because also you've got that sort yeah. of classical thing going on, which is presumably because um, Deborah's a librarian. So all of them are kind of, you know, they're kind of done like as literary adaptions yeah. that have mm. literally fuck all to do with them. I mean, obviously there's the quote, you know, there's quotes of the books or whatever like that. But yeah, it's sort of mm. when you've got like the Scarlet Letter and stuff like that. <laughs> Slasher in the Rye. That's another yeah. one. Yes, yeah. yes. Gore and pigs. <laughs> yeah. But then, then there I was trying to think, I, I did read Catcher in the Rye. Did everyone else read that? Yeah. No, but It I was haven't. a long time ago now. I read Catcher in the Rye, but I think I read it at a point where it was like, no, nah, I just think you're a prick. So <laughs> it was one of the... Just read a little bit too, too late. late. Yeah. yeah. I read that much too late. Catcher in the Rye is clip. Although Catcher <laughs> in the Rye, again, is one of those ones where it's like, sort of, oh, yeah, no, teenagers read this. It's like... Not really, because now I'm no. looking at this. Now I'm looking at this at the age of twenty. I'm even. I'm thinking prick, yeah. and I'm not that far removed from this age. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I think so. You've got that element in there that isn't sort of quite. Um, like I say, it's an assumption made on the basis she's a librarian. That's, mm. yeah, yeah. Seems again, again, I did like mm. the at the very end as well when the guy was interviewing uh Stephen and he said to him, mm. you, know, uh, you know, what do you think of Deborah now? And he says, Oh, nobody would make a film like this, it'd be a terrible idea. Nobody yeah. could possibly yes. try and make a film of this. And if they did, she would still be alive. And you're like, Is that a no, it isn't. And I like that it wasn't either. That'd be a little bit too on the nose. But the fact that it, yeah, she doesn't come back for a final jump scare, I'm very Mm. much like. Yes. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, because that guy, Peter George, I think he's quite sort of not not underused in the film or whatever like that. You know, he's just in there enough, but he's just immediately perfect. Yeah. Of, you know, you just get that guy in seconds. Um, and I think that, yeah, the um, what's his uh, Patrick Bristow, um, but I mean, he's done loads of silly, but he was in uh, Elvira, uh, Elvira, uh, TV okay, stuff like that. What, so, so we'll see, oh no, in the TV show, not the film, uh, no, no, not in the, okay. not in the film, but um, but he's been in like loads of stuff, including loads of like, um. 90s sort of teen and kids shows like the Amanda mm. shows to bring the teenage whips charmed okay. um Malcolm in the middle friends uh, <laughs> um, but he's um we were trying to replace him and it's as the Virtucon tour guide in Austin Powers international man of mystery that we probably uh, thought of him so <laughs> yeah. but um and he's in a remake of a bucket of blood which is one of the films that does get uh, mentioned in this because I think that's one of the posters at the start. Yeah, I think like that was that... a remake of Bucket of Blood. But uh... yeah, that's the one he's in the re- the remake, the um, 
1995 TV remake, apparently. So I need yeah. to rewatch the original. I saw that. I saw that once when I went through a period when I first kind of suddenly realised that I liked black and white horror that wasn't the original stuff. Like I suddenly mm. started picking up on the fifties and sixties stuff. Yeah. And just went through a spate of just watching tons of them. Um, yeah. And I watched it then, but again, I watched so many at that time. They all kind of blended into, into one, unfortunately. So I should no, get it back off the shelf and give it another you go. Said Patrick Bristow. So um, he was in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Did you say that? Because I um, seem to remember yes, really I liking think he was, that. Yeah. That was a black comedy by yes Austin, Austin uh, Powers, uh, not Mike Myers. But, yeah, Mike, Mike uh, Michael Myers. Yeah, or Mike mm. Myers. I never remember which way round to do it. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's Mike Myers. The, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Not the, no. not the man in the shatter mask. <laughs> uh, cool. The um the other film that I. The other two films I was thinking that you could pair this with hmm. um, was uh, Demons, just literally, again, like you said, Lee, where it's the popcorn thing, but it's like being locked in the cinema while you're being yeah. killed. Right. So we've, we've mentioned popcorn quite a few times. Is that not on our list at some point? Uh, it it's, it's there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it needs to be. Okay. It definitely it... needs to be. I shall make a note of it and we shall try and fit a month around it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even do it with demons because that's the, again this cinema things. I don't know, but we'll 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 come up with something. We'll come up with uh, something. And the other one was the sort of kind of obvious, but another one that we really should do is whatever happened to Baby Jane. Um, I've still not seen it. Oh mate, it's fucking amazing, just genuinely fucking great, and also like a, a, it opens a whole new world of quotes. Oh really? <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> But I have to say that um, all in all, I think that good art speaks for itself. <laughs> that is a perfect ending. So, <laughs> we'll sign out there. Yeah, honestly, anybody who hasn't seen it, if you can get hold of a copy, do uh, go and watch it on Shudder. It's it's fantastic. It's just, but you know, as we said as well, it's a perfect it's film. If you've got a few mates over and you've had a few beers, it, it's a perfect one to put on. We've it's definitely a had a few like that that yeah. really, yeah, that work in that sort of mm. yeah party atmosphere. Um, mm. So go and check out all about evil and ready for next week's episode or uh, fortnight's timed episode. Uh, go and check out Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Um, mm another film and, and these two as well although they've got the link is actually a perfect pairing in so many ways um mm. so yeah this is going to be one of my favorite months so go and check out both of those movies uh thanks very much for listening and good night oh and got i was hand just going to say and a big shout out to uh, co- uh podcaster cat flappo thank you yes. for the mention on your latest probe <laughs> go and check out not for everyone podcast uh go and check out the eerie essex podcast uh and we will see you back in a fortnight's time good night good night, good night.